This morning, our text comes to us from John chapter 12. This is one of those events in history that all four Gospels record, uh, Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. So this is John's take on it. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that the things that had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, this is a, a very well-known text. Uh, this is a very well-known historical account. And in this particular reading we have today, there's no red letters. <laughs> what I mean by that is in, in, some, in some Bibles, the, the red letters are the words of Jesus that are meant to bring that extra to your attention. But in this text, Jesus is silent. But what he doesn't say speaks volumes. And this focus is entirely on the crowd, the people who have gathered together in, in Jerusalem for the Passover event and also to see Jesus. So in general crowd details, there are Jews that have traveled from all over to Jerusalem. This is a pilgrimage kind of time for the, the, the event of Passover. Uh, Somewhere between 200,000 people and 2.7 million. That's a big discrepancy, I understand. But uh, scholars are not really sure. It's probably somewhere in between. There's a large crowd coming from all over, and they've heard and maybe even seen for themselves some of the things that Jesus did. Heard for themselves some of the things that Jesus taught first person. It's not just a regional phenomenon. This is nationwide. Think about nationwide events that happen here in Florida, things like, I don't know, Bike Week, where people from all over the country come and gather together and make Daytona explode uh, with people, or, or think about the spring break that's happening now where people from all over the country wish that they lived here and come here and visit here and, and crowd up our beaches for a few weeks. And they're waving palm leaves. See, palms are, are very, very important to them. It was a, a symbol of national victory. So it was, it was, there were palms on their coins. The palm branches, when they would wave them, were, were symbols of their national victories. So if you think about, for us, it would be like uh, an Olympian who just wins gold medal, wraps the flag around him. Just a sign of victory. John sees in his images that he's able to see in Revelation, he sees palm branches, the victory of God's people. And they cry out this word, Hosanna, which means God save us. So we use this word, Hosanna, during the season of Lent, and we, we put the word that set, starts with Hale and ends in Luya away for the season. Because that word is a, is a word of praise, of glory, and Hosanna is a cry out for help. And the people are crying out to God, 
God save us. Now, there's this fervor building in the city of Jerusalem. Last week, we talked about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That was the, the event that sparked the events of Holy Week, that set everything into motion. It was the point of no return, the tipping point that set the Pharisees off. People were convinced that this conquering hero was in town to save them all. He raised the dead. What could the people do to them now? But the Pharisees were convinced that unless they did something very, very drastic now, the life that they had grown to love would come to an end. See, they were looking for an immediate victory. The Pharisees were looking for immediate victory. The crowd was looking for their immediate victory. And it made me wonder, what are the victories that we look forward to now? The things that we yearn for, the things that we hunger for here in this world. Right? Maybe that's a, a healthy family that's close in proximity and close in hearts or our children to grow into, into strong Christian leaders that can shape this world in the future. Or the victory to have the war in Ukraine stopped, or to have no more school shootings, or better food distribution around the globe, or maybe just a little bit more money, just one more raise would be enough to solve all of my problems. Lose a little bit more weight, lower my cholesterol, be able to see God working all things to my good. Healed relationships that have been shattered. See, these are all kinds of victories that we yearn for and long for here in this world. Now, all through Lent, we've been talking about four particular people who interacted with Jesus and had their lives radically changed. I'd like you to imagine those four people, and that was the man born blind, the woman at the well, Lazarus himself, right, and Nicodemus at the very beginning, all present in this city, all present in and among that crowd, witnessing Jesus come in. And I wonder if maybe you connect with any one of them or maybe a few of them all wrapped up. So first we have Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the professional church guy. He is conservative. He is focused. He is devoted and devout to the pharisaical teachings. He loves God. And he has this sneaking suspicion that Jesus probably isn't as evil as all of the other Pharisees believe him to be, but he doesn't have the voice. He doesn't have the, the courage to speak out or do something about it. And so he just kind of blends in. I wonder, it's kind of easy sometimes for us to maybe identify with Nicodemus, that, that good church-going kind of person. And, and after all, we belong to the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which that's like, that's the perfect synod, right? Because we believe and teach and confess the exact right things all the time, 100% of the time. Probably not, but we like to think so. <laughs> after all, we've got it right, and everybody else, they just need to catch up. God, save us. Save us from that pride. Save us from our need. Save us from our self-righteousness. Save us from not being able to see the true God as you are. Well, a few blocks down from Nicodemus, there's this, this woman at the well. right? And it's odd for her to be present this day. 
because she's from Samaria, right? Samaria is an enemy of Israel. But yet when Jesus interrupted her life, gave her a drink of living water, he changed her forever, and not just her, but her entire city. Many came to know Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who would change everything. And I imagine that she is so emboldened by that encounter with Jesus that she, a foreigner, an alien, an enemy of Israel, is present shouting, Hosanna, God save us. This was a a woman of ill repute, of of multiple marriages that were broken and failed, cohabitating with somebody who wasn't her husband. Sometimes we get so caught up in all of our addictions, all of our struggles, all of our hurts, and all of our pains, we can just swirl into that toilet bowl of emotion and just think so low of ourselves. To the people like the woman at the well, to the people like me, who just cry out to God, God, save us. Hosanna, God, save us. How, how could God care to stoop so low as to bring forgiveness and healing to someone like me and someone like you? And yet he does. That's exactly what he does and who he is. To bring total and complete healing of your soul. But then we have the man born blind. Right, and he was, he was blind physically, and everybody else around him was blind spiritually speaking. And we can be blind spiritually so many times as we look to everything other than God to be our answer, to be the source of our joy, of our hope, of our security, to think like we've got it all figured out, this life thing. But in reality, we don't see it. We don't fully understand. And for for people spiritually blind, we cry out, Hosanna, God, save us from our blindness. Open up our minds. Allow us to understand who you are and what you do and who you want us to be in your kingdom. Empower us. Help us understand. Help us have your wisdom. It may look foolish to the world, but I want your wisdom, God. And then you've got the dead man. The man who just days ago was laying in a tomb, as the King James Version said, stinketh, and now is breathing again. He's living with a new life and a new purpose. Do you feel dead this morning? Just numb, incapable of feeling, incapable of, of thinking, just going through the motions spiritually parched and dry. Those people sing, Hosanna, God, save us. Call us out of the grave of this life. Call us into the new life that you would have us live. Call us into this hope that we have for the eternal life that is yet to come. God, save us. Awaken our hearts. And in the midst of all of this crowd, Chowning Hosanna, where are you? Who are you standing next to? Is it Nicodemus or is it the woman at the well or the man born blind or, or the dead man raised Lazarus? Where do you connect? Who is that? What is your cry out to God, God save us? What does that mean for you today?
Today, our Father hears that cry for help, and out of his overwhelming generosity, he poured out the gift of his Son. The events that we're going to cover in this next week are the expression of God's great and deep love for you. And, and whoever you are, one, any one of those four, any combination of those four, you are you uniquely. As you cry out, God save us, he hears and he answers. He calls you alive. That's an interesting conclusion the Pharisees say. The whole world is going after him. Obviously, they're speaking in hyperbole because they themselves are not going after him. Well, in a bad way. But what would that look like if St. Luke's was full of people who have all gone after God, following God, pursuing him in his pursuit of you, are all in, holding nothing back? What would it look like if an entire community came alive to the power of life in Christ? I can tell you what it would look like. It would look like men stepping up and being spiritual leaders in their homes and in their families. It would look like marriages that started to find healing through impossible situations, through the grace of Jesus. It would be brothers and sisters growing up, young children in the house who are obedient to their parents. It would be church leaders and city leaders working together to solve problems in the community. It would look like churches from all throughout the community, regardless of denomination, acting like the one body of Christ. There'd be less depression, there'd be less anxiety, there'd be less fear, there'd be less doubt, there'd be more peace, there'd be more joy, there'd be more excitement and fervor for the kingdom of God. It'd look like a life of freedom, a life of joy, a life of sacrifice, and a life of renewal. God, save us. He hears that cry today, and he has come, and he will come again. So church, I invite you right now, would you stand up, grab your, your palm. I don't have one with me. Doggone it. I'm not lifting that. But oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Bev. All right. So hold your palms up way high. And I want you to repeat after me. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. God save us. He has. Amen.